Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Hilo Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey, as well. Today, we're talking a whole lot to talk about. We're ending the NBA season coming up on the end stretch. Kansas is your new NCAA champions. Our journey to the draft continues as well, too, with a little bit of Southern comfort looking at those divisions as well. And, you know, we might have a little something special special at the end as well, too, just as a, just, you know, talking to some of our fans as well. But we got a lot to talk about today. Man, do we ever... It has been a wild, personally and on the sports world, last couple of days, last couple of days since we've seen you guys. It has been a, been a crazy time. But you mentioned the Southern home cooking. I can't wait to talk about that. But really, I can't wait to talk about this NBA season coming to an end for a team that, let's just say, nobody really thought it would come to an end for. Well, you know what? You said you kind of lined it up perfectly. You kind of teed it off. So let's go ahead and tip it off with our opening segment known as the tip off brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. All your manly soap needs available all under one product. Go and check them out as well, too, for all your male grooming needs. Go, I would I would honestly say uh, don't miss out on this opportunity. Smoke good for yourself or for that special someone in your life as well. But you mentioned the NBA season coming up to an end. Just a couple of games left. Some teams fighting for a playoff spot. Some fighting for seeding. One surprise team, though. Looks like they're uh, fighting for the first ticket to Cancun, if you will, as well, too, is the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to, just like every show, we're going to start right there and work our way back, but eliminated from playoff contention officially after losing to the Suns at just 31 wins so far on the day, on the season. Uh, I'm, a, I'm about as shocked as you are as well, too. I, I had them at, in our preseason prediction. I had them as the third seed overall in the West, and I had them going to the Western Conference Championship game, but I didn't expect this necessarily. I, like, this is... It's kind of surprising that they completely missed out of ten available playoff spots. You missed all ten of them. Yeah, look, look. I, I mean, I, we talked about this earlier in the season when, when we were looking at the Lakers and some of their woes. It just, it just didn't work this year. I mean, between the injuries, between Frank Vogel being your head coach, which I still don't understand why hmm. everybody thinks Frank Vogel is a great head coach. Stop it. He's hmm. not. He does a great job with young talent. He does not do a good job with superstars. That's just how he is. That's how he always has been. Um, let's not change the facts and think he's something better. LeBron also doesn't do well with head coaches who actually like to coach. That I mean, yeah. at all, well, period, point blank. On top of that, the guy who's supposed to take over the team, Anthony Davis, spends most of the season injured, played 26 games, not helping you any right now. And, well, just so happens to be the most paid player on the team. And Russell Westbrook, we all have literally just decided he wanted to be the, go- the the scapegoat for everybody and not to his own fault. He actually played pretty well most of the season, Man. but they really wanted to give him the scapegoat the whole season. They didn't want to talk about the fact 
that none of their old people that they signed could hit a shot. The old defensive players that they signed could not play defense. LeBron is a shadow of who LeBron is normally. Still scoring 30-plus points for, in, in certain stretches in the season. Still, you know, becoming the second all-time leading scorer in the NBA history. But not LeBron that we know it. Not against the teams you need to beat as well, too. Like, they did a decent job beating up on some of the lower teams. But when they when push came to shove, there was a whole... A lot, a lot of things were missing, I think you can say as well, too. The geriatrics, you mentioned them on defense. They look like geriatrics on defense. It might have been some of the worst overall defensive effort we've seen throughout the season as well, too. I kind of want to ask you about this, Will, because you mentioned Russell Westbrook kind of made the scapegoat. Obviously, there was a stretch there where he was absolutely terrible. It felt like he was shooting 8% from the field and shooting 30 shots a game. He could not get anything going. We kind of talked about it. It was a weird signing when you look at the dynamic of the team, but we thought just star power alone might make it work. What are your thoughts on that one looking back on it now as well? Do you think it could still work if maybe those him, LeBron, and Anthony Davis could have all played together and stayed healthy and logged some minutes together? Or do you think this was the square peg in the octagon hole and it just had no chance at all? Yeah, this is just weird all around. You're talking about LeBron has to be ball dominant. Russell Westbrook, to be effective, has to be ball dominant. Anthony Davis has to get the ball at least 40% of the time to be dominant. Uh, that's that alone. If you just do the math on that, that's about 160% you need to try to figure out how to get people a ball. And, and that's not, that's not possible at all. Like no mathematician can, can be look at that and be like, those numbers work. Let's do that. That's not going to work. And I guarantee you have plenty of mathematicians on that payroll team for, for Los Angeles who are doing the math right now. Like, well, crap, what do we have to do now to get ourselves working going forward? And that's a big question I have for you is obviously, the Russell Westbrook thing in my eyes didn't work. What do you think they need to do to get this work? Do you think it is? It, it's, it's possible that they can make this a championship team after this next offseason, or do you think that they are, they're they're going to have to make some some whole cha- wholesale changes? I just don't know because you have no draft picks like twenty twenty eight because you traded them all away to try and build this geriatric squad, this all twenty eleven squad right now. Basically, yeah. Carmelo Anthony is great as he was for the Portland coming off the bench. He's still he's limited in his advanced age. He's a basically a mid-range sniper at this point as well, too. Can occasionally post up a smaller guy. LeBron's limited offensively as he can't he can't quite dominate like he did. He still has flashes. He's still one of the leading scorers in the NBA. He can still get his, but it's in a, not in a flow of the game, if that makes sense as well, too. It's not quite the same as we're used to. He's not taking it over. Russell Westbrook, you mentioned it, they can work, but they need so much more around them. They need the right set of snipers. Anthony Davis has to just play center. He can't play power forward. He has to play center, and they need a power forward who can stretch the floor. LeBron could play point. Russ could play the two. Then your three and your four have to be like Joe Ingles, 44% from three or something like that as well. Too. Like you, need, you need guys that can hit from the outside and stagger their minutes. So like maybe LeBron takes an early break six minutes in. Russ stays a little bit longer than when Russ checks out, LeBron comes back in. Like there's, It's hard to make it work, and when you – they 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 had more starting lineups this season than they will have wins. They had 39 starting lineups already and only 31 wins with a couple games to go. There's not a whole lot more you can work there. Like that's so I the jury's kind of still out honestly. I really can't figure out if they can w- when you haven't played enough games together. I'm not going to get over the fact that you just subtweeted Josh Hart right there. That was <laughs> that was beautiful by the way. Uh if anybody doesn't know Josh Hart and Joe Ingles, Josh Hart sent Joe Ingles a message asking what his vert was. Joe Ingles responded I'm 44% from three-point line. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the best mic drop I've ever seen. 
Um, DJ, I, I appreciate the call out on that. I, I will just kind of add that in there. Plug Joe Ingles on this team. How do you think that has a couple of wins too? Like you put Joe Ingles Honestly, at that four spot next to Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Westbrook. That adds that adds a lot to them as well too. Even though he's a limited player, he's his vertical is literally I shoot threes. He refuses to answer it, but yeah. that's what this team needs is any ability to make defenders move. Yeah, no, I think I think you're exactly right. Somebody like Josh, Josh Hart, even uh, Joe Ingles, Josh Hart, take your pick. Either one of them would have been a vast improvement over the the type of players we talked about this in, in the lead up. You had a team where your your full your your big three, they're all slashing in the paint type of players. None of them are outside players working themselves in. They are just straight go at the basket, full bore, and call it swell. And then you add in mid-range shooters. Then you add in slashers. But you never added in a dead-eye shooter. Like, I, I, I can't think of one guy they added thinking, hey, this guy's going to be our dead-eye shooter. Because none of them were. Like, Maybe Malik Monk at his best. Can He can shoot a little he, bit, but that's about all I'm sorry, got. but Malik Monk being a, being a dead-eye shooter, I call, you're going to call me Kareem at that point in time. I mean, that's this is just crazy to think about. It's, you know, it's... Whatever they were doing, Kurt Rambis, or uh, sorry, I shouldn't say Kurt Rambis. It was his wife in this situation. But byproduct being Kurt Rambis, having any say in this team. I actually, For once in my life, I agree with Magic Johnson in this situation. The fact that a Rambis had a say in the Lakers' offseason moves this last offseason was detrimental to their team. I do want to say, too, that I think the one way this team could have worked is if they were able to go full out on defense. If they could get this team running frequently and they could they could out cardio teams, if that makes sense, I think that could have made them a lot more dangerous. That and staying healthy, obviously. The biggest thing was staying yeah. healthy. But LeBron, Westbrook, even Anthony Davis galloping in the fast break as well. Some of these guys, some of those guys that aren't really dead-eye shooters, but in a fast break at a wide-open corner three, it's a whole lot easier than a half-court setting getting the ball with two seconds to go so LeBron could get the assist. Like, I don't. Yeah, uh, I feel like there was a lot that could have been. The biggest thing was staying healthy, but moving forward, I don't know how you make this work next year. LeBron's not getting younger. You're not going to get any more defensive effort out of him. I mean, he's a thousand years old. You don't expect much. Expect a little bit, and it didn't quite get that. But you don't get much. Westbrook is limited defensively. I mean, like he he tries, but he's he could still get by him. Anthony Davis, when he's healthy, he obviously makes things a lot better. But you mentioned 26 games is not enough. So I really just don't know what you do. I really just don't yeah. know what the answer is. But. I mean, look, you, you look at this. I'll just add this last point in, and that's I look at Anthony Davis, and I love Anthony Davis. I think he's been a great player in the league as ever, you know, in the league, but he's just not been healthy. And you have to figure out, if you're the Lakers, to put a pretty little bow on this package of that insane contract he has left and be able to ship him off for a whole lot of young talent or three or p- three picks in this draft. Like, I, that's the only way I can see this working is – they get picks and they get rid of Anthony Davis' contract. You can't pay any of that because that's the only chance you have. Because then you can get some mid-level exceptions in there and and things like that. But yeah, right now I look at Anthony Davis as unfortunately you can't be a Laker anymore because unless LeBron decides he wants to go back to Cleveland, which, well, Cleveland fans, I don't recommend you you hope for that. Hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, that's that's the only way I can see that see it working out next year. We'll definitely have to wait and see. Maybe they can reverse that trade and get Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and everybody back. We'll see as well, too. But <laughs> but we would be remiss not to mention, too, to not just make this a Lakers tip-off as well, too. I want to mention the team that bounced them out of the playoff contention for the second year in a row, the Phoenix Suns. 63 wins so far with a chance to get 65. And honestly, it's one of the better overall team seasons we've seen in a long, long time. I think 
obviously it's almost just became clockwork seeing them win. We're like, yeah, yeah, they won again. It's almost feels like not taken for granted, but it doesn't quite get the same hype as like the Warriors teams that were winning 60 games, not the 73 one necessarily. Those Cavaliers teams that are winning like 66. This team is really, really good considering they're coming off a finals loss. Very rarely does a team that loses in the finals bounce back like this, the exception being like those Spurs of 2014. But they've done an incredible job bouncing back by Monty Williams, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and even DeAndre Ayton, who didn't take that step forward. He still has been just as good and been able to, and it's as a team effort with him and Mikel Bridges. It's been incredible. I'm glad you mentioned Mikel Bridges. Uh, Let's just go ahead and chalk his name up as, wow, yeah, he's really turning into that player type of guy. Um, Cam Johnson as well has had a fantastic season in in comparison. He kind of really took off in the playoffs last year and just continued that momentum. And, you know, the the guy that I'm a big fan of, and I talk about his story every single time (laughs) I get the opportunity, campaign. Let's just say he continued his progression from last season. And and when you lost Chris Paul for this, this season during the middle of the season, it didn't hurt. You were still able to win with campaign there. And that in, its, in and of itself tells you all the story you need. Because just look at the playoffs last year. Literally, Chris Paul had to play with one arm for them to be successful. Exactly. And this year, you were able to let Chris Paul take his mid midseason vacation to Cancun and come back and be healthy. I do. It's kind of crazy because I was. I'm just actually looking back at our predictions for the season, at least for mine. I had the Suns as the number one seed in the West. I didn't get that part, but I didn't expect it to be 60 plus wins and eight games ahead of second place, the Memphis Grizzlies, who have 55. That part I didn't expect. I was thinking maybe they'd be at like 53, and I had number two Denver at like 50, 51, something like that. Like I thought, I didn't expect them to be the absolute juggernaut as well. Too. Like that's what's yeah. really surprised is how they ran through. And then on the Eastern Conference, Miami Heat. If I'm not mistaken, clinching the number one seed in the Eastern Conference as well, too, with a recent win over the surging Celtics, who were like 27 and 7 in the last 34 or something, who flipped the switch. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown squad got it rolling. And these got really, really competitive down this down the stretch here. And I look forward to seeing those playoffs. Yeah, look, the, the, the East, though, is in a very creepy situation because you have the Nets in that play-in game for an eight seed. Like, they're not even playing for the seven seed. They're playing for the eight seed. And I'm sorry, I don't want to get matched up versus the Nets because, yes, they suck defensively. There's no doubt. In, like that, You could just hang that on the wall. We're bad defensively until we get Ben Simmons. Yes, correct. If you However, <laughs> you can also keep putting up points with the best of them. I mean, I don't think there's a better offensive team than the Nets. Granted, their defense is so bad, but in the playoffs, I mean... Nine times out of ten, it's all about how well you can score in crunch time, and in, even like in those tough moments, if you can go a whole game without having a three to five minute stretch of going scoreless in the playoffs, you're gonna win every time. Exactly. I mean, they'll be playing the Hawks by the look of it, and that's quite the game. Those are two teams that they get into the playoffs. Everyone's gonna be a little bit nervous for as well too. They can work their way in. Cleveland looks like they'll be playing for that seventh seed. It looks like, if I'm not mistaken, they'll be matched up with New Orleans. If things hold true, we still have a couple games left, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well too. And Toronto climbing in from the what felt like a certainty to be a playing game, climbing themselves out of the playing tournament altogether as well, too. So very, uh, very competitive stuff to see as well, too. And don't worry, guys. I know we will have our NBA award predictions coming up before too long. We're not going to do it today because we still have some season left as well, too. But keep an eye out for that as well, too. See what we think is going to walk away with some hardware. So we will be getting to that for you NBA fans out there as well, too. This isn't just a Lakers podcast. So let's not get that twisted as well. So. No, it's a Lakers hater podcast some days, though. I will be, I will, I'll take full credence for that one. That's my fault, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? 
take your moment to shine as well too. They said, don't make fun of my squad. Don't make fun of the geriatrics. Have your moment to shine. If you miss one of 10 spots with that much, with that much power, yeah, that, that much firepower, it's bound to happen. So it is exactly what it is, but that's going to do it for us on the tip off as well too. Before we get into our football topic, I will say congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks though, as well too. capturing that national championship game with an incredible second half rally after North Carolina came out of the gates, like a boat race and took it to them early on. Kansas staying resilient, staying strong, coming back and getting their first title since I think 2007, 2008, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's been about 14 years. So congratulations to Bill Self and Kansas for getting through that bracket as well, too, because this was a hectic March Madness. Uh, since Mario Chalmers uh, hit the step back against Memphis. That it's was there. Derrick Rose, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, if anybody doesn't remember why I remember that, it's because Justin Timberlake at the SPs the next year wore his Memphis jersey and just, <laughs> you know, imitated Derrick Rose like just – just put your hand in the face like this, hmm. and you're good. But yeah, so just make uh, a few free throws too, guys. Just like one or two free throws down the stretch. That's all you need. Yeah, no. One of the most insane comebacks I've ever seen. The obviously historically the best comeback we've ever seen in a national championship game. Uh, but on top of that, just as far as just the way they did it was very efficient. It wasn't like they were like rushing to come back. It was like you know what, we're gonna keep doing what we do. The wheels are not gonna fall off the whole game. We're gonna be fine. And it was just a patient. First thing you, you first thing you do is get a couple stops. Thirteen minutes in, uh, you know, thirteen minutes left in the second second half. Oh, guess what? We're only down by nine. We got this, guys. It's like what? I'm whoa. This is a national championship game. You don't just do this. That's not normal. Uh, but Bill Self, man, two titles, joining the illustrious multi-title for a coach situation. He's already one of the winningest coaches of all time, the winningest college team of all time as it is with Kansas. So, um, you know, very. Very, very, very good to see the, the the Jayhawks. So a blue blood back on top is bittersweet, you know. It, it felt like it was meant to be when you saw them, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova, and then UCLA. The team, though, blue bloods were Saint climbing Peter. back as well too. I wanted the Peacocks to. <laughs> I, I needed the Peacocks to fly, man. I just needed it to happen. It, it was, you know, they had a they had a fantastic run as well too. The very fantastic run. We'll be talking about another Cinderella run at the end of the show, so stick around for that as well too. Yeah, we'll mention that, but that'll do it for our basketball coverage. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to Chumba Casino. And give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Now we're going to head into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That is the main event. The main event brought to you by Colorcast, the premier sports audio casting app on iOS, soon to be coming to Android as well, too. If you haven't already, check them out as well, too. All you need for sports commentating, commentary, talk shows, debate, everything you want. You can find a little something for there as well, too. And Kelsey, the journey to the draft week two is underway. If you, those of you two know this last year, this is where we go by divisions, check out what their, their post free agency, what they did, then talk about their needs heading into the draft as well, too. Last week, we talked about the West. Now we're heading to some Southern comfort, and we're going to talk about the AFC and the NFC South as well, too. So you know what, Kelsey? I think we're going to start right away in the NFC South. And you know what? What better team to start with than your favorite team in the division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, I don't know about my favorite team. I mean... <laughs> But you got to you got to say it's very interesting. Yeah, they're in the top four of this division. That's Mm. absolutely correct. Uh, But yeah, no, this is a very interesting team to look at because we we talk about biggest additions, biggest losses. Uh, Usually, it's always a player. Not in this case. The biggest addition was a player unretiring and 
your coach going to the front office. And now he's being replaced by Todd Bowles, you know, your, your coordinator. I, it's a very interesting thing to look at with this team. Again, didn't lose a whole lot as far as important positions to free agency. Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue being the big two that you really haven't re-signed yet. But they're still out there. And you still have uh, Joe, Tri- Tri- Joe Trier to fill in those spots as well, too. Yeah. And, uh, Alex Kappa probably being your biggest loss, honestly. If you're going to look at anybody leaving, it's your starting guard going to Cincinnati. That that hurts a little bit. But other than that, I mean, you, you have it all filled back in. You're, you're, you have Ali Marpet retiring, which does, again, that does hurt. Let's not sugarcoat that. But you have opportunities to fix those. You look right here, their picks. They have a pick in the first round, pick in the second round third round you know they have they have three three straight picks right there first through third round that can easily get them those linemen they need i and mean 100 and they brought in shaq mason as well due to plug some of that hole those holes as well too yeah. and you mentioned the bruce arians tom brady thing i'm really curious how how those lined up as well too did brady come back because bruce was leaving did bruce leave because tom brady's coming back there's we'll never know the full answer but there is where there's some smoke there's a little bit of stank and there's a st- some stanky fire around there as well too so i'm really curious how these things all intertwined and you did mention Todd Bowles as the head coach. I was surprised they didn't go with Byron Leftwich, honestly, as well, too, especially Brady coming back as well. So not that Todd yeah. Bowles doesn't deserve it by any means. As he no, is a no, former definitely. head coach, maybe that's why they went with this since it was a shorter notice thing. But was kind of surprised they didn't go with the Byron Leftwich to go with the quarterback coming back. Yeah, no, it is it is strange. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm with you. I think Byron Leftwich deserves an opportunity anywhere at <laughs> this point in time. Somebody, please give this man a head coaching job. Please. But... <laughs> This was a situation where I think you're exactly right. It's like, all right, we're getting into the draft. We need to have a plan by the draft of what we're going to do. So let's just take, we've already been building this plan with Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. Let's just take and put our coordinator here and fill up. And that's exactly what they're doing. Which, again, them filling up is not like a normal team filling up. It's a lot like you see Alabama teams, mm-hmm. like their, their coaching staffs fill up. You're getting previous head coaches and previous coordinators that are filling into these extra roles too so it's the same thing that's happening here with tampa where they're filling todd bulls as a head coach but they're also getting fill-ins with former like top tier positional coaches that are, are now moving into a coordinator role so it's very interesting for that aspect uh rob rob gronkowski whether he's going to come back or not that's a question but doesn't matter um, you lose OJ Howard again. He wasn't even a part of this team for real. Let's let's be honest about that. Uh, they franchise tag tag Godwin, so you're fine there. They did you bring him, him actually too. They even got him long term on top. Of yeah. Him. Oh uh, yeah. He cashed a nice little paycheck. Let's just put mm-hmm. it that way. Uh, speaking of cashing a paycheck, Russell Gage cashing a paycheck to come back to come down to, to Tampa. Um, so that's I, he's a, he's an underrated player, but he's proved with Matt Ryan that he can be that extra third wheel, if you will. Oh, he was the first wheel for chunks of for most of last year on top of it as well, too. So we talked a little lot about their offseason. This team is like a soap opera. I wish they could do hard knocks because you could talk about them all day and night, it feels like. But we're going to go into now the journey to the draft. Now, you they have their picks early on. What do you when we look at this team? If I'm if I'm in charge, if I'm making the picks, I think their biggest need is going to be in the secondary. I think they got to load up that secondary. They gave up too many big plays last year, left, right, up, down, all over, looking at the Rams games, every single that, that game, those games are track meets. I think you go to the secondary, and I want, you know what, a guy who might be there for him? I like Roger McCreary, the corner out of Alabama, or Kyer Elam, the corner out of Florida. How dare on which you? One. You did I not th- just say Roger McCreary is out of Alabama. No, I said Auburn. 
I know I'm just messing. Okay, I'll say, hold on now, sir. If if I did say Alabama, I meant it to say he's from the state of Alabama. Either way, the point is that is another Auburn corner to add to this mix, which would be kind of hilarious. But I like the idea of bringing in another corner because we saw Carlton Davis and Jamal Jamal Dean get dinged up last year, and then you had to bring in Richard Sherman, who was a coach basically. So I like the idea of bolstering up that secondary because you still have a fantastic pass rush. Just get a little bit of help on the back end. Yeah, no, I one hundred percent agree. I think I think corner is a, is an opportunity there, and I just had to pick fun at you. I'm sorry. I just it was too too good of an opportunity not to not to to post. Just be careful. I'm going to send you a roll tide birthday card. I mean, you already send a send the little shooting confetti every year, so it's I've learned to avoid those ones. This time but, it's going to have some nice Alabama A's flying at it. Oh God, I will <laughs> literally burn. <laughs> it's like you know, if I never mind. I'm going to stop right there. We're talking <laughs> southern. I don't need to go too southern conversational into this one. Uh, but no, look, I, I think this is an opportunity with the 27th pick. I don't think you have to necessarily pick a pick, like pick a position in this situation. I think this is a best available, but you are looking at two specific positions. You're either looking at corner, like you said, or for me, I'm looking at the guard center region personally as, as the opportunity. And I think there's a guy that's moving up a lot of draft boards and that's Jamari Salyer out of Georgia, a young, fast has played every offensive line position for Georgia, and he's strong. And he's a guy that fits perfectly right next to Tristan Wirfs. And, uh, you know, it's again, it's it's wishful thinking. I don't know if he'll be there for 27. Or if at 27, if you have the opportunity to pick Roger McCree, by all means, that's your number one pick because he is a much, in my opinion, better player overall than Salyer will be for your team. But I do think Salyer, for me, is the guy most likely to be there at 27 that I think they'll go with. Absolutely. If you're Tampa Bay, the NFC is really thin, and you are one of the most loaded teams out there as well, too. So there's not a whole lot that you can't do here. You just can't go backwards, and it looks so that's a good spot for them to be in. Next up, we're looking at the New Orleans Saints in the NFC South as well, too. A team taking a look here. They did just add a second first-round pick, trading with the Eagles as well, too, giving up some future capital. So as the Saints do, going all in for the season, keeping Jameis Winston as we see their base addition, losing Marcus Williams, the should-be perennial Pro Bowl safety, vastly underrated guy as well, too. You have two first-round picks now. You don't really have anything next year. You somehow are playing cat magic to still stay afloat. Start Go ahead and start off with you, Kelsey. What are your thoughts on the Saints here now that they have two first-round picks? Uh, have fun. You have a big hole you need to replace in the name of Taron Armstead. Uh, Taron Armstead, sorry. And and that, honestly, we could have put him as a biggest loss as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that would actually be physically the biggest loss. I do think hmm. performance-wise, Marcus Williams is a bigger loss. Um, but I do look at, like, you have two first-round picks now. I think you're, you're obviously looking like, okay, well, we have cap gymnastics we have to prove, so let's get some quality here in the first round. Um, and I do think one of these two picks has got to be an offensive lineman. And and the other pick, I think you probably go defense. And you, I, I'm always torn with this one with them. I do think they need a defensive lineman. But you lost Marcus Williams, and you brought Marcus May in, which is a good move. But is there still enough there secondary-wise to perform well? I, I don't know yet. So I think if I'm, if I'm picking for him, I'm going offensive line with the first option, and then defensive line, secondary, who's got the better op- who's got the better position available with that first-round pick? I think that's where I have to go with, with the Saints. But, man, if they, I, I think in this situation with a new head coach, you're, you're, you're just kind of like – you're ready to see what you can do. Jameis Winston has proven that you can you can win in New Orleans. So I think this is an opportunity for them. If they just make the right moves here, uh, they have a great opportunity to win a division that's 
a lot of question marks right now. When I look at the Saints, I, it was kind of surprised to see them trade into the first round and trade trade with another first round pick at 16. So this tells me one of a couple of things. A, they're going to try and package those picks and get like a quarterback if they start to slip to like 10, 11, 12, something like that. Maybe they really like somebody and they don't want to keep Jameis long term. Or B, they're going for it right now. They're going for it this year and they're like, you know what? We got Jameis. We know we can win with him. We think we've tamed the interceptions post LASIK surgery as well, too. We feel comfortable with him. So I, look, I agree with you. One of those picks needs to go offensive lineman. You got to replace Toronto Armstead. You're getting a little bit older. You got to keep him healthy. I like a Trevor Penning from University of Northern Iowa. I like him in a place like mm-hmm. this as well, too. He's a guy I think could be available, just a mauler. If you're able to, if Alvin Kamara can play next year, assuming how that all plays out, you'll have Michael Thomas as well, too. Get that offensive lineman. And with that next pick, I like doubling down on the offense. I know you said go defense as well. Defense, they were really, really good last year, even with terrible quarterback play as well. I like doubling down on offense, and I like going with a receiver here to compliment Michael Thomas. I like Jahan Dotson, the speeds, the quick speedster out of Penn Stakes. Those that first run of receivers will most likely be gone with the Olaves and the Garrett Wilsons, et cetera. But I can see Jahan Dotson being here and performing just as well. You put him there next to Mike Thomas, who I assume if Mike Thomas is healthy, he's going to look like can't guard Mike again. Kamara underneath, Jameis Winston playing check down. And with that defense, we've already seen that defense is very, very good. So honestly, I like the idea of doubling down on the offense because if you're planning on going for it all, you go for it all here, second round, yeah. maybe fill in that extra offensive line spot, fill in some defensive secondary depth, things like that as well, too. So, But if you did that to get a quarterback, they I imagine they might be trained up. Maybe they do like a Malik Willis if he starts to slip and they want to be able to jump Pittsburgh altogether. You know, and that's funny you mentioned that the, the package is for, for a, a deal, and I, I thought for sure Philadelphia was going to be the one. But, you know, we had also mentioned that New Orleans, before they had signed uh, Jameis, could be the opportunity to move up as well. Just because, I mean, look, you need a quarterback, right? You can't, you can't trust your tight end to be your quarterback anymore now that the court, the coach that loved him, is no longer coaching for you. Um, so that's not not the case. So I, I do love that uh, that idea that maybe they package it, and I also love the idea of doubling down on a receiver um, here. And, and that's it's tough though because it's like you look at it and and you just if you just look at it on paper, you're like, okay, there is a gap on our defense or there will be in the next few years. Like those are your, your the two ways you look at this. And depending on which side of the coin you've on personally, I think there's a hole now, but like for you, you think there's a hole down the road for them. So you're like, I'm not as worried about filling it right now. Whereas I can fill that second receiver role, which we haven't had a second receiver in new Orleans since Jimmy Graham was your number two receiver with Drew Brees at quarterback. So I do think that makes a lot of sense that they, they would, they would go that way um, in their own right. And I do like Jahan Dotson. I mean, he slides himself into a 19th overall pick. Well, he proved some people wrong. Let's say that. I will say if Drew Brees was still the quarterback, I think you forego that receiver and you grab someone in the seventh round and watch him turn into a Pro Bowl caliber <laughs> player as well, too. But considering they you, could grab, they could grab us off the board uh, just as a free agent and turn us into an all pro receiver for a year. Exactly. Like because you're going with Jameis, you're showing you want to win now. You think this division's very winnable. You smacked around Tampa Bay last year defensively as well, too. You beat them twice. You're 4 0 in the regular season against them in the last two years. I think here this is why you're you're going for it now. That's why I plug those holes. But I agree with you defensively. You got to worry about that as they are getting older, especially in some key spots. So definitely, definitely. the Saints an interesting team to keep an eye out for, and keeping a lot of your picks this year as well too. They, like you're basically foregoing next year as they've done with their cap, and now they're doing with their draft picks. Just push it down the road. We'll worry about it later. It's the student loan Somebody deferment. Somebody else's problem. Student loan deferment gone NFL. So that'll take us to our next pick, and we are looking at the Atlanta Falcons here and taking a look at your biggest loss, of course. 
arguably the best player in franchise history, arguably in Matt Ryan, definitely top two or three when you factor in long, yeah, factor in longevity and everything as well too. Biggest addition, argue Casey Hayward, fantastic addition, fantastic corner, getting a little up there, but still can make plays. You got pick number eight. You were all in for Deshaun Watson and fell just short by the sounds of it. You're heading into the draft. You got pick number eight. Kelsey, uh, where are you going here with pick number eight? I still love the idea of picking Derek Stingley for no other reason. I think Casey Hayward could play a safety role and fill a safety position. But if that's not the way you want to go and Casey doesn't want to agree to that, because obviously he was a big free agent signing and I wouldn't blame him if he doesn't do that. I'm just thinking for long-term career-wise, I think that's a good move for him for three more, four more years. But again... That not being the move, I look at this and I, you got rid of all your linebackers. And number eight, you might have a homegrown kid right there in Nicobe Dean. I'm just saying, and I feel like I just maybe stole your pick based off the look you just gave me, but I I don't know. What do you? I I, I just think I'm. I, there's two things here. There's offensive line or there's there's linebacker, and that's that that's. I, that's where I'm going with this. And I really still want to say go get Derek Stingley. Like, my first thought is still go get Derek Stingley Jr. Because I think it's an experiment that'll work. But, again, if you're not going to do that, and most teams aren't as experimental as my brain goes when it comes to positional pos- players. Like, my Madden team doesn't look like mm-hmm. it should ever. Because, I, I like, this guy should play here because he mm-hmm. is this talent. It's like, it doesn't work that way in real mm-hmm. life. Contracts play Contracts and, and egos play a role. Um but yeah, so I mean, that's not going to work. So you obviously want to go something that's actually going to work for you. You traded away one of the most insanely athletic linebackers in Foyasada Aluakon, or sorry, you let him go in free agency. Um, so that doesn't help you. And that was it. Like, that was your linebacker. And now you have nothing at, at linebacker, nothing really starting caliber NFL-wise that's there. You still and, got Deion Jones still. You still got him hanging around. But Starting caliber NFL-wise, Deion, Deion Jones, Jones has, can stay healthy and get out of his own way, revert back yeah. to like two years ago for him, then yeah. But. Yeah, that's true. No, that's fair. And But then you also have that offensive line. I mean, honestly, I feel like with the Falcons, you, you have a lot of holes. You have a lot of picks this year that are in the top. You have five picks in the top 100. Those five picks have all got to go offensively other than one. Like this first pick, I think, goes defense. I think the other ones go offense. And they go offensive line. Offensive line, offensive line. Oh, by the way, offensive line. One more time. Um, I just, I don't think there's a way they go quarterback here. I know a lot of people haven't picked quarterback. I just, I don't see it. I think there's better opportunities for this team to be successful. And I think Marcus Mariota is not a bad, not a bad like spot holder for a couple of years. Not at all. I think Marcus Mariota could be good as well too. And I look at it, I'm kind of in the same vein when I wrote down for my Falcons pick. I just put defense across the board as well too because <laughs> offensively you obviously have to do some reloading as well too but defensively you got grady jared and aj terrell you got some center pieces there like you got guys to build yeah. aj terrell was fantastic last marlon year. davidson came on big last season marlon too. davidson a good pass rusher grady jared can still make plays up the middle Deion jones you could put him as like an off ball linebacker i think he'd be even more dangerous nicobe dean was one of my first choices as well you mentioned him i also want to mention jermaine johnson the second out of florida state you get him as an edge rusher opposite marlon davidson get after Jameis winston get after tom brady Get those opportunities for AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward in coverage as well. I like the Derek Stingley with AJ Terrell as well, too. I think if you can, I think you start building the defense now, and then next year you look to work on the offense as well, too, because I think your defense is a little bit close in the offense. Offense, it's Kyle Pitts and maybe Cordell Patterson. You're already going to miss Calvin Ridley this year anyway for a suspension we won't talk too much about as well, too. We'll roll our eyes at that. But anyway, and you mentioned you have all those, you have those top five and those five picks in the top 100. I think you could build those like defense, offense, defense, offense. It's yeah. best player available. 
But I think defensively is where I'd like to start with them. Like, I like best defensive player available to start with. Yeah, I just have to point out, like, you have to tell people by now, if you haven't learned through our coverage of the last college offseason, or the last college season, and and especially the national championship game in the playoffs for Georgia, Nicobe Dean has become a favorite of this podcast uh, in, in a level that I don't think anybody else can imagine. Like, we got to watch this dude be an absolute freak of nature on TV and in person during the Combine. It's it, it's 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 crazy to see. Well, we didn't get to see him in the combine. He actually didn't do any workouts, but we got to see the human being. Hmm. Just didn't get to see him be a freak athlete. Um, but no, it was like it's it, yeah. If you guys haven't figured that out by now, Nicobe Dean should be the number one linebacker in our eyes. You'll see when our we release our big boards as well too, ranking the fifty prospects as well. So keep an eye out for that as well too. You'll definitely want to miss that. But that, that's what we have for the Falcons as well too. A lot of holes to fill, but still not quite as many as the next team we have here. In the Carolina Panthers, rounding out the NFC South as well, too. Carolina with a big loss in Hassan Reddick, who had a really, really strong season last year as well, too. And the biggest addition, a punter who might have to play quarterback for them, depending on how things go, and Johnny Hecker as well, too. They Honestly, when you look at Carolina, they got a lot of good pieces. Problem is getting that quarterback spot filled. They cannot seem to get a fill yeah. no matter what. They've been in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, seems like four times in the last year and a half or so. They're in every quarterback sweepstakes, it feels like, minus the Baker Mayfield one. Having trouble finding a way to fill that spot. You got picked number six this year, but then you don't got a whole lot after that. You got to wait a while to pick again. So you got to hit pick number six. I'm going to go ahead and go first on this one. Yep. I think you pull the Band-Aid off. I think you take your quarterback. I'm looking at Matt Corral. I think he's QB1. If he's sitting there at six, you run that card to him. And you're like, you and Sam Donald are going to compete. Sam's going to be kind of the starter until unless he's absolutely terrible. Then, Matt, you're going to slide on in. We're going to ease you in a little bit. When in doubt, throw it to DJ Moore or CMC. You got some stuff to work with there. Matt Rule's on a blazing hot seat right now. That might take out the Buffalo Wild Wings challenge, how hot that seat is. I think you just got to make a move here. If Matt Corral shows promise, maybe he buys you another year. But I think you go, you try and go get that quarterback instead of trying to patchwork it right now. You're not quite good enough to patchwork the quarterback like some other teams are doing, but you're not bad enough to get pick one or two at this point. You have too much talent for that. So go get a guy here, a Matt Corral, who might slip to you at six. Well, here's the thing with this team. I honestly don't think they're that bad of a team on personnel-wise. They have a lot of good young pieces, especially defensively. In their offensive skill positions, they have a, they've added a few. Deontay For, uh, Freeman being one of them, uh, as a second running back next to CMC, which I think is a fantastic move because now you add a little power asset to to your game that CMC doesn't have to go bang every single time you're in the red zone. Still got Chuba Hubbard hurt. too on that team. Yeah, and, and exactly, yeah, Chuba Hubbard, and he was did very well in in cmc's absence last year dj moore obviously is still dj moore get him the ball in his hands and watch him work um do they still have oh why can't i think of his name now robbie Robbie anderson Anderson? i believe so yeah yeah i mean you still you still have skill you just need an offensive line am i saying go get an offensive line no Uh, i'd actually probably add a couple extra words in there don't go get offensive line at number six i'm agreeing with you i think you go get matt corral Uh, i don't think I don't think there's a quarterback that fills your needs and what you need if, if you're Matt Rule other than Matt Corral. Like, you need a guy that's safe with a lot of upside. And unless you're picking Desmond Ritter at six, which I I think if you're going to pick Desmond Ritter, you trade back to the third it, it, with whoever you want to trade with to get into the 30s or even that first round, the first couple picks of the second round, and you take all their assets and you give them the number six overall pick. But I like other than other than Desmond Ritter, there's not a safer quarterback with a higher upside than Matt Corral. Like he is the safest option here. 
there's a lot of guys that are very talented, but he is by far the safest. And I think this is the way you have to go is go Matt Corral. But don't be surprised. I really don't think they they're that bad. I don't I like I I don't think that the Panthers are going to be that bad. I just I have a I have a, a wishful feeling, wishful thinking, I guess about about the Panthers going forward. I will say I don't think they're a quarterback away. I think that's the thing. So I think trying to patch in like a Matt Ryan, a Carson Wentz, a Marcus Mariota, guys like that's not going to help you enough. I think at this point, get your young quarterback, then try and build with him as well. Because all your best players are already young as it is. Jeremy Chin, all going down the line. Brian Burns, they're all kids. Like you have yeah. a bunch of young oh, everybody. players. CJ Henderson, like just get the quarterback to kind of grow with them as well too. At this point, that's why. That's Sante why Samuel Junior. It's not just Samuel Junior. as a charger. Not 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 just have to say uh, Joe Hor- or uh, JC Horn. JC Horn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you got pl- you got so many young the other, players. The, the other, other strong young corner. corner. Exactly. Yeah. What a fantastic rookie corner class that was. So I think if you could just build with them as well too, Derek Brown. Like you got the young players, just continue building with them. Trying to patchwork in a old quarterback is not the. It won't work for them. Like it will probably work for some of the other teams we'll be talking about at some point too. So. That's what we have for the NFC South and the Panthers as well, too. Go get yourself a quarterback. Don't overthink it. Even Kenny Pickett's not a bad pick here as well, too. I like Corral better, but if Corral's gone, Kenny Pickett's worthy of pick number six for this team, I think, as well, too. Yeah, look, if Corral's gone, go uh, go Kenny Pickett. Or honestly, if my I, I still stand by. If Corral's gone, trade back, get Desmond Ritter at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, um, and take yeah. and take some assets, and, and that way you can get more picks and get offensive line. And if they can do that, I think they could definitely turn their season around and I don't think win the division, but at least compete for second. Maybe if you, look- can, if you can get some good, if you can get a good return, definitely as well too. Because yeah. like we mentioned, you have 131 spots between your next pick after pick six, so you definitely yeah. Want I to- mean, you don't, you don't pick again until midway through the fourth round. Like that's just not good enough. Exactly. So that's gonna do it for the NFC South. But now we got to go move on over to the AFC South as well to a division that features two of the worst teams in the league, one of the most disappointing, and well, the number one seed in the AFC. So a very unique division as well too. We're gonna start at the bottom of the barrel. We're going to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars as well, too. Picking number one again for the second year in a row. A bunch of picks. Losing yeah, Miles oh Jack in big loss in free agency. But you did bring in a few, quite a few pieces, including Christian Kirk, who could be the biggest addition or the biggest flop, considering the amount of money they gave him. So that is a def- that is a big one for them. They got a bunch of picks, including really two first-round picks when you look at one and 33 as well, too, realistically. Kelsey, what are you looking at for the number one overall pick for the Jaguars? Don't overthink this like <laughs> if i am if i am jacksonville i purely just don't overthink this and i protect my number one pick because we all if you're a jacksonville jaguar fan or if you follow jacksonville at any point in time you know sunshine is your actual number one pick in your heart so you know what you do is you protect your sunshine by providing us a little bit of shade protection on the outside of his offensive line in the form of evan Neal. i i, I think it's just too simple of a Open hole, circular hole, fill in with circular peg. Like, just just do it. Don't go fancy. Don't try to overthink things. Just just protect your quarterback. Like, that's like, all I need for you. It's interesting. So you look at the best players at, at the top of the border are about our edge rushers this year, and our, for the most part, I don't think edge rusher is as important for this team when you look at the division. It's a division of running backs and running the football. So I think – in this case, you want to, you might have, you can have a case you'll have the best quarterback by the end of the year, depending on Trevor Lawrence's ascension and what happens with Matt Ryan and Brian Tannehill if they decline rapidly as well, too. So it, let's be, let's be honest. The Colts could go 13 and four or 14 and three, and Jacksonville could still go six and 11 and still have the better actual quarterback because of how their teams are built. It's like, very possible. Matt Ryan's, 
Matt Ryan's play level for this season is very low. Like he doesn't have to do much, just be better than Carson Wentz. Which won't be that hard, honestly, as well, too, especially in key moments. So we'll definitely have to see it, but we'll get to them in a moment. But I agree with you, offensive line. I'm Evan Neal's a great pick. I'm le- I really like Akema Kongwu as well, too. I think yeah. he would be a fantastic pick here. And I look at Doug Peterson, now the head coach. When he was at his best, he had Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, two big mauling athletic linemen. I think Akema Kongwu will slide right in there. You can't go wrong either way. Heck, you could take Tyler Linderbaum to center if you want. Do anything you can to help your quarterback make his job easier. You put a bunch of money into Christian Kirk and some of the receivers. You have Travis Etienne coming back. Build that wall in front of him and let him work. If you can force a shootout with some of the other teams in this division, you are in a good spot as well. So, yeah. you still have so James Robinson. Still have a guy to, James, James. To, to hand the ball off to. Like James, You got him. You got pick 33, 65, 70. You got plenty of picks. Use all of them on the offensive line if you want. Load up. Like You really can't go wrong here, but don't overthink pick number one. So yeah, it's, just, it's it's too simple. I mean, I I hate I hate to say it that way, and and it's it's tough when a draft where there's so many good edge rushers, and you did lose somebody like Miles Jack. Like obviously, you probably were like, I want to go fix my defense. No, just do the right thing. You got to recover from the Urban Meyer situation first, and that starts with an offensive line. It makes everything better as well. So thank God they kicked the right person out this time. It took long enough. That's gonna take us to our the second team in the AFC South and a team that now has two first round picks. Something that they haven't had one first round pick in the first round in a very long time. And now they find themselves with two. The Houston Texans coming off that their biggest loss, trading Deshaun Watson to the Browns for everything. Just insert insert meme here. They acquired not one, everything. not two, not three. <laughs> Just everything. And of course, the biggest addition we kept is simple cap space, draft capital, a chance to finally rebuild, considering this has been going downhill for the last two and a half, three seasons as well, too. The Bill O'Brien effect in full force. You got picks number three and 13 now in the first round, along with pick number 37. So we're going to take a look at just the first two first round picks here. And uh, I'm going to jump first on this one. For me, it's pretty simple. Best player available. Honestly, just find the best players at that spot. At number three, maybe that's a Sauce Gardner. You get a number one corner to put in there as well, too, help you out there. Then let's say pick number 13, a guy who might slip. I like Devin Lloyd there as well, too. Maybe double dip on your defense. You get a lockdown corner and a captain of your defense. Not bad. You got a lot of holes to fill. I don't think you overthink it. You just look at it. Unless you really like one of these quarterbacks, you could take it three. But I think they want to try out Davis Mills one more year. I'd say just take your best available player, whatever you're thinking. You can't. There's not a whole lot of places you can go wrong. You could take Chris Olave at pick number three, and I think it's a good pick, honestly. Like, there's a lot of options, but I like Sauce Gardner and Devin Lloyd if they're available in those spots. I, you know, I didn't think about Sauce going to, to, to Houston, truthfully. It hadn't crossed my mind for no other reason than, again, this is a edge-heavy class, <laughs> and I'm looking at the edge rushers. I think if Evan Neal goes one, I have somebody not an edge rusher going two, and that leaves what most people think is the, the unanimous number one pick in Aiden Hutchinson sitting there at number three here for Houston. And that's where I think they go. I think they go either Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. Personally, I like Thibodeau a little more for this Houston team for the way they're built. I think Thibodeau fills a lot more of their roles because we talked about this a few times off air, DJ. It's He's not just a edge rusher. He's like a kind of combo Jadavian Clowney mixed with Miles Jack a lot of, in a lot of ways in the way he can do. You can drop him into coverage. He's not going to be the greatest coverage guy. He's not like Miles Jack who used to play running back at UCLA type of talent, but like he is a talented player in his own right, but he's just not as big as Javian Clowney. But at the same time, he's probably better suited for defending a run than he is a pass, but he can still get off the edge pretty well. Um, I do think Kayvon Thibodeau is the, just such a dynamic athlete. You can find a lot to do with him in Houston. He fills the most amount of holes with one pick that you could possibly make. Let's just put it that way. Um, with 13, though, 
man, 13's tough. I, I mean, if you're going to focus on Davis Mills and you didn't get offensive line at three, you go offensive line <laughs> here at 13. And I feel like I can say that for everybody. But really, in this case, I think Charles Cross might make it to him at 13. Uh, and let's just say Charles Cross, if you have an opportunity to watch any Charles Cross film, please... Please, please, please do yourself a favor if you like any sort of offensive line play and go watch Charles Cross's film. And just, like, turn it on for 35 to 45 seconds. Get through two plays. And I guarantee you, you're going to watch the entire rest of the video and try to find seven more videos like I did. Hmm. Uh, because that's how good of a player he is and how just in, in fascinating he is to watch. Especially on the outside. as a pass blocker, too. Like, he will keep that. You can make a case for him to go number one. It's like, we're keeping Trevor Lawrence safe. We don't care about the run. Grab him. Yeah, and, and this is it. And I'm I'm this again, me saying they go three go go pass rusher at three, thirteen is gonna go offensive line. If they decide to do neither, take I uh, take Iki Okonwu at three. Hmm. Guaranteed you won't be happier. Just just do it. You, again, you talk about a guy who you can watch thirty seconds of film and be happy about, that's your other option. And you know um, Lovey Smith too. He's the defensive mind he is too. He's looking at it as like I could build a defense. Davis Mills just has to be Rex Grossman. Here I come. Oh, exactly. And that's the thing is Lovey Smith is built for a team that all they have to do is move the ball on time. And Davis Mills, like, through all the bad, he was actually a pretty big bright spot for this Texans team last year. And, uh, you know, give him a little bit of help and, and you'd be surprised what they can do. Absolutely as well. Too. I think there's something to work with there, but definitely at least they have picks now. They haven't had picks in a while, so they finally got some first round picks again after all the trades. So that's going to take us now to the third team in the AFC South and quite possibly the most disappointing team, especially at those last few weeks in the league as well, too, with how they finished and the expectations. We're looking at the Colts now. Biggest loss. They've had a weird amount of them. You could say Mark Lewinsky, the right guard, just because yeah. a consistent starter for them for a while. Biggest addition, undoubtedly, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. Filling in your quarterback spot, the best quarterback you've had there for a few years when you factor in where he's at in his career as well, too. No first-round picks. You're picking 42nd in the second round is your first pick as well, too. So, Kelsey, if you're the Colts, where are you going here? Uh, I'm, I'm still probably going offensive line. Uh, it's just a surprise for the Colts going offensive line. Yeah, who would have thought a team who, th who who focuses on RTDB wants to go offensive line? Um, but yeah, I, I, I look at offensive line here. There's now, this is with a caveat of saying there's a possibility John Mechie falls to 42. And I don't know why he's been hated on so many draft boards. I think he is a fantastic prospect probably one of your smoother route runners out of everybody in this draft and the surest hands in the draft. Again, another guy coming off of injury, but his injury isn't as bad as his teammates injury that happened later. So and there's a lot to look at with this. And, and if he somehow falls to the Colts at 42, I 100% say that's your option. Otherwise offensive line. That's, you know, that's a safe bet as well too. I look at it. Offensive line. You can't go wrong there. I'd imagine they're going to try and fill it. Like they already have like their three Pro Bowl caliber guys. They have some young guys. They they plugged in that played a lot last year through the injuries and the COVID. From listening to Chris Ballard and the team, they seem pretty cool with our offensive line right now. The young guys are going to plug and play. I think you go receiver here. You brought in Matt Ryan. You have Michael Pittman and the ghost of Paris Campbell. If he can stay healthy, you need somebody to throw the ball to. So Michael Pittman's not tripled every play, and so they can't put thirteen in the box. I look at a guy if John Metchie's there. That's a great pick. I think he's going to go early in the second round, like 33, 34, 35. I think he's going to be a guy that slips just out of the first round. Everyone jumps on him like T. Higgins a couple of years ago, Michael Pittman. Guys like that when they they should they could have been first-round picks, but they just there's only 32 picks. Like, they slip anyway. I hope so. Let's just say, let's say I hope that people are smart enough to do that. 
Absolutely. But I do think some receivers that could be there. I like George Pickens out of Georgia as well, too. I think he's a big-time receiver who, if you put him on any team besides Georgia, I think he'd be a first-round pick. Georgia's offense was very not conducive for receivers. It, it, we'll put yeah. it politely as well, too. You didn't get a lot of opportunities, but he made plenty with those opportunities he's got. I think in this offense, he might not get a lot of opportunities early, but you imagine he'll make the most of what he can get as well, too. If Paris Campbell can stay healthy, that gives you a couple of dynamic receivers as well. Maybe they bring back T.Y. We'll see what they have to do there. I also like David Bell, the receiver out of Purdue, who in a very similar sense of like he is the only weapon and he still managed to make his best games were in the biggest games. Like what he did to Iowa and that defense too is absolutely incredible. He put up 200 on them. And Riley Moss, who if he wanted to come out this year, would be a drafted corner, but he decided to go back. And he Mm -hmm. still tore them apart. So I like David Bell or George Pickens, like those underrated receivers that could slip here. Maybe you take take them there. Then in like the third round, I think you can go with a tight end. Just get some receiving weapons for Matt Ryan, honestly. Yeah. Because just just he'll keep the ball moving on offense. He will get Naeem Hines involved. He'll get like the offense will stay on schedule. He just needs somebody. He threw it to Russell Gage last year, and he threw it to guys whose names we can't even pronounce. Like he can he will make it happen. But the more you can give him, the better off he'll be. Olamita Zacharias, by the that way. That among uh, many other names. That's the name that's the name you're looking for because I called him out many times for being a fantasy darling, hmm. and he worked every single week that I called him out. Uh, but no, to your to your point about George Pickens, a fantastic player, a very big recruit, hampered by injury in his time in Georgia, which might help him slip to this Colts team. Um, and as you mentioned, if it was JT Barrett at quarterback, probably gets a lot more burn and a lot more action than uh, uh, Stetson Bennett. Oh yeah, sorry, JT Daniels. Not hey, JT not Barrett can't come back for year number nineteen. Yeah, my bad, <laughs> my bad. Uh, wrong, wrong, red and red and white team. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, uh, but no, JT, yeah, JT Barrett, and it, yeah, if if it was Stetson, if it wasn't Stetson Bennett, I think he gets a lot more burn. Um, but yeah, I mean, in limited limited use, he was still a very effective receiver. So there's something to keep in mind on. And then we talked a lot about receivers. Christian Watson's been climbing up a lot of boards this year at North Dakota State, giant and an absolute burner. So maybe he's there as well too. Like honestly, it's a great year for them to not have a first round pick and receiver, arguably the biggest need because that you were yeah. guaranteed to get a quality player slip out as well too. So. Definitely something. And by the way, Christian Watson, uh, half of Trey Lance's less than 300 passes in his college mm-hmm. career were, were, to, were, were to him. So um, that tells you how good of an athlete he is. Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic. So we'll see what they decide to do with that pick as well, too. Definitely some interesting moves for the Colts now that they have a new quarterback. But that's going to take us to the last team in the AFC South and the number one seed overall in the AFC, a team that had a bunch of different starting players start for them and the coach of the year, the Tennessee Titans. Looking at their biggest loss, middle linebacker Rashawn Evans, leaving them as well, too. Biggest addition, Robbie Robert Woods, also known as Bobby Trees, coming in for a six-round pick that had a little bit of receiver depth for them as well, too. They've Coming off the ACL injury and with a big contract, we'll see how that plays out. They do have pick number 26, and then they have to wait till pick number 90. So, Kelsey, looking at the first round, what are some of their needs and who are you? what are some guys you think can fit that mold for them? Did you know they lost four offensive linemen total? to free agency in some way, shape, or form. They did re-sign one, uh, but there are still three more of their offensive line that were either starters or played at uh, at least two games worth of snaps that are no lo- that are not on their team right now. I, it's, I, I hate that I keep saying offensive line, <laughs> but does it surprise anybody when I say my credentials are in my waistline that I keep saying offensive line is, is my go-to here? Um, I just I I have to keep going back to it, um, and you mentioned you mentioned this guy a, a few times earlier in our in our mock draft one, and I actually kind of left him off my list because I didn't know where to fit him, but after reading some of his 
uh, reading up on him, watching some of his highlights, and and talk and seeing what where they're play or where they're having him put it. Darian Kennard is being slid to a guard. Um, is where they're likely going to have him fit, and I think that's a fantastic fit here with Tennessee, a guy who is known as kind of that ugly, dirty Mauler. And I mean, you want to talk about somebody that fits with Rabel? Hmm. Give a guy, give Rabel a guy that is known for a high motor, high energy, dirty, down in your face offensive lineman, and he's going to be like, "I, I can work with you. Hmm. You go next to Taylor Lewan. Have fun." Like, yeah, you know Derrick Henry's going to enjoy getting behind that big guy as well, too. It's one of the few guys he could probably hide behind in the NFL, too, as well. Just like, yeah, All right, I'm just... yeah, there's not very many. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that pick a lot. I think you can't go wrong with offensive line. To break up the mold, I went somewhere else as well, too. And something I've said a lot today, I'm going to continue to say, I look at receiver, and I think they still need a receiver spot. A.J. Brown banged up a lot last year. Robert Woods could be a nice fit. I want to see how he comes off that injury, how he works in this offense as well, too. We know California Robert Woods, a fantastic player. But outside... When he's not playing for a California team, it hasn't been quite as strong. So I do think you need another receiver just to kind of balance it out as well to open things up. Help Ryan Tannehill, because as we saw, especially in that playoff game, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a go-win-you-the-game necessarily quarterback when everything's not clicking. So you want to make everything as easy for him as possible. I like a Traylon Burks type of receiver here as well, too. Yeah. Big, athletic, versatile. You can do a lot of the similar things you could do with Robert Woods, hand it to him on end of rounds, let him just basically be huge and out muscle outside the corners, him and AJ Brown on the outside. He gives you a lot of verse. Heck, you could probably plug him at running back in certain spots as well too, with Derrick Henry in the backfield, kind of what they wanted Julio Jones to do last year, but the injuries took that away. I think Traylon Burst can offer you a lot of that this year. Or as I mentioned, a Christian Watson, another big fast guy here at the back end of the first round. I like the idea of just supplementing that receiving core. Just you can't 10 too good for you to just get rid of him necessarily, but you're, but he's not quite, you saw in the playoff game, he's, gonna if he's he's gonna struggle a little bit when all things aren't clicking we even saw it even when they were winning getting that number one seed it was that fantastic defense and coaching job as well as a weirdly supplemented run game so i think just anything you could do to make Tannehill's job as easy as possible and i think getting in some versatile receivers like that as well too could really help yeah and i agree with that definitely that, that's definitely a possibility i do want to throw something out that's not going to happen in the first round this isn't like a first round option for him but with them having a couple later picks, there's a guy that's sneaking up a little, a couple draft boards for linebacker, um, a guy we've both seen play different positions than linebacker in college, uh, kid out of Montana State named Troy Anderson. Would not surprise me in the least if Tennessee is the team that takes the flyer on him as linebacker in one of these fourth round picks they have, fourth or fifth round picks. Like I could 100% see him in Tennessee in that situation if not maybe their third round pick to be completely honest it's honestly a perfect fit considering mike variable had like eight touchdown receptions in his career on top of it troy anderson played a running back in college as well so a verse a linebacker you could plug on offense and runs a four five flat yeah. like i think that's Absolute I think that's a really good, an athlete hell they could plug him in tight end they still have a needed tight end so like you could put him in tight end in random spots like on the goal line and whatnot or a fullback with derrick henry like i like that pick as well too that could be a sneaky fun pick that Maybe it's not a game-changing pick, but it could be. It could have some. It could have some mo- like a moments pick if that makes sense. Like it will have yeah. some big moments throughout the season. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to throw that out there as a possible landing spot for Troy Anderson because he has been climbing up a lot of boards, and it's worth mentioning that he did put on a pretty good performance at the combine himself. Honestly, I can't think of a better fit now that you mentioned it as well. Too, that's a really good fit, and I think we mentioned tight end. Maybe at like pick number ninety, depending on who's there. Maybe if a Trey McBride slips for some reason or something like that, like yeah. depending on how the tight end likely maybe. Depending on how the tight ends fall, I think they should look for a tight end because they still have not replaced John F. Smith. So there are plenty of options. Like there's a lot of ways to go here for these teams as well. So the South was 
the Souths were a little bit interesting as well, too. So we had a couple teams with extra picks, a team with no first round picks, and a couple of really late ones as well, too. So it's it's, it's just like every southern dinner. Every hmm. time every time you have a holiday dinner down south, it's always interesting because you don't know which one is gonna start a fight with another one. You also have to ask who brought this every single time. Because you don't know who brought the potato salad. We all know the story about the potato salads. Unless there's raisins, then you know who brought it as well, too. But exactly. and then we did we did, we've done the West, we've done the South. Next week we're going to do the North Division. So definitely want to stick around for those as well, too. Leading up to our final mock draft and our overall draft coverage as well, too. Stay tuned for that. We'll talk plenty more about that coming up as well. So you won't want to miss that. It's our favorite time of the year, and we can't wait to get into the thick of it. But that's going to do it for our journey to the draft coverage today, which is going to take us to Kelsey's real favorite part of every single broadcast. And that is, of course, crunch time. Crunch time brought to you by Swift Lifestyles as well, too. Go and use high low sp- code high low sports. Get yourself 15% off and help us get a little bit closer to our own specific type of flavor. So, Kelsey, we got about a minute left. And I think the best thing we could do here is just say thank you to everybody. Yeah, that works for me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're saying, thank you for it. It's not just one thing it's really been everything uh, but really culminated lately with this this march madness bracket we got to go on a cinderella run we went up with some of the top podcasts in belly up sports some of these guys are ranked top five in their sport on apple Podcasts, and we were able to go up and 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 beat them because of everybody listening everybody that reaches out everybody that responds to us on twitter so seriously from the bottom of our heart thank you guys Absolutely. It was absolutely wonderful seeing us go on that magical run as well, too. It felt great. We just kind of do this for fun and seeing us compete with others like that was absolutely incredible. So we thank you all for able to join in and support us with that, too. And hopefully we'll get to see you guys for a lot more, plenty more to come as well, too. But that'll do it for this week's episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We'll see you guys next week for our journey to the draft coverage continues. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.